Thank you, worship team. All right, this, at this time we're going to dismiss the uh, children for Children's Church. So kids, get up. Uh, head out to our north doors over here. We got Kevin and Katie Wenzel excited to share God's word with you guys this morning. So head on over there. Uh, my name is Neil Johnson. I'm the next-gen pastor here at Berean. It is my privilege to serve our 6 through 12. I'm so excited for next weekend for the Uncharted camp out that we got coming up. Uh, it's going to be a great time out at Whitewater, exploring nature, but also engaging with God's Word. I uh, just spoke yesterday with someone that's going to be sharing their testimony at uh, the the camp, and I'm so excited for how, like, you know, sometimes our, our lives are messy, Right? And sometimes our testimonies are messy. And this guy is going to be sharing, and uh, um, he's, you know, it's amazing how God's redeemed uh, so many of us uh, out of messy situations, but that's what God does, is he, he meets us in our mess, and he loves us, and he points us towards himself. So, um, so this morning, I get to share with you guys uh, a message uh, propagate the next generation. This might be a new word to you. We're going to get into that. Uh, I'm going to explain how it's got some relevance for me. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start here. Plants can hold a significant meaning for some of us. Some uh, people plant trees to correlate with a person to see how that tree grows and how that person grows. Well-known author and musician Andrew Peterson in his work, The God of the Garden, uh, shares this as, a, as, a, as an example of that. Uh, here's the quote. Uh, Full of good fatherly intention, I meant to plant a tree at the Warren for each of my kids. I asked each of them what their favorite was. And after a, lo- a, a, after a lot of thought, my son Aiden told me, Red oak. You know, red oaks, like the ones in California that are like the biggest trees in the world, right? Um, I bought a five-foot-tall red oak sapling and lovingly planted it, and also in, 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 uh, also in the front field, praying that Aiden would feed on God's word and grow in righteousness like a tree planted by streams of water. The, uh, the one, this one lasted a few months so it was rooted and reaching towards the Tennessee sky. But then I got into beekeeping. And he shares this, he shares the rest of this story of how he's mowing the lawn and he's going out and he's thinking about his bees. And he is looking at his beehive as he is mowing. And uh, this loving father, Andrew Peterson, wondering about his bees, wondering what they're doing, why they're clumping the way that they are, ends up running over his son's red oak tree with the lawnmower. Now, that is, uh, you, you have your hopes for your children. You have your desires for your children. And, uh, I, I, he, I'm sure his hope was like, I hope this is not as symbolic as I thought it was, right? But plants in our culture can be family heirlooms. Caitlin and I got a plant from Caitlin's grandmother when she passed away. Uh, welcoming gifts. You know, I know, uh, a, a recent buddy of mine just purchased a house and I'm planning to give him a plant. Uh, the the, fir- the first time we we go and visit over there, um, but or it, it, it can be even adding to the vibe in a room, so long as uh, as that plant is cared for. Now we all can agree dead plants are not very good decorations, right? Can we agree on that? Yes. 
No matter how advanced we get as a society, there is something in us that will never depart from the satisfaction that comes with planting, with watering. Any of us gardeners, anybody like, enjoy planting, getting the dirt under your fingernails, just feels good. There's actually endorphins that take place when you do that. It's part of nature. Uh, but the act of planting, the plant, the act of watering, the act of waiting, of like, come on, dude, let's go plant. Like, what do you grow, right? Uh, weeding, tending, and later on, harvesting. Um, I love seeing the pictures in recent days, some on Facebook and some friends just texting me, but the things that they have yielded from their garden, even in the past week of, we got a giant zucchini that's about this big, and uh, super excited about eating that. Zucchini boats for the win, right? Uh, but Jesus often used images of agriculture in his teaching to illustrate the kingdom. Not only was it uh, relatable to in the ancient world because they were surrounded by farming communities, but it was effective in pointing to things that we can control and confessing the things that we cannot control. And when we think about the next generation and we think about us growing, there are certain things that we can control. We can control what we consume. We can control so many other aspects of our lives. But there's certain things that we need to leave up to God. And there's certain things that we can pray for him to move and see how he moves. Like if you have a plant that is there, if you have a vine and you want it to grow something, you can't will it to grow. You can't force it to grow. Yeah, you can probably tape on some fruit, like an orange or something, but you can't make it grow. It's actually God that does that. And so turn with me to John 15 as we look into God's Word this morning. And we're going to be discovering what John 15 has to say, but also pull from some other places that help us to understand what it means to propagate, to grow the next generation, to help us to grow ourselves. Even if you don't have kids, even if your kids are grown and well-grown on their own, Every one of us can gain something from this passage because it teaches us about who Jesus is and what God does. So John 15, uh, verses 3 through 5, um, says this. Uh, if we can go to the next slide, please. Um, John, f- oh, oh, and then I was going to share, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, we'll we'll uh, explain what propagate is either. Oh, later. Okay, so John 15, verses 3 through 5, says this. Already you are clean because the word that I have spoken to you. This is Jesus speaking, right? Already you are clean because the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, in his famous book, uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart, this is what Ted Tripp has to say about abiding in God's word. The only safe guide is the Bible. It is the revelation of God who, who has infinite knowledge and can therefore give you absolute truth. 
God has given you a revelation that is robust and complete. It presents an accurate and comprehensive picture of children, of parents, family life, values, training, nurture, and disciple. All you need to be equipped for the task of parenting. Now, it's interesting. We look at this text. We look at John 15, and we think about how do we help each other abide? How do we help the next generation abide? How do we come alongside them? And I would say the, the, the first answer to that is by modeling it, to living it, to showing it, to, to abiding ourselves. Our kids are never going to abide in Christ unless we are able to abide ourselves. And so I want that to be an encouragement to us. You know, if you're in any place where you... Uh, I, you know, I was even thinking about this yesterday. Uh, I, I was I was with uh, the, the the Pigsleys at Gold Rush Days, and Caden was there, and we were talking about how cool the neighbors thought Caden was because he's a high schooler. And I was like, "Dude, you have influence." You know, in my mind, I was thinking, "Man, you know, it, it, the, even if you don't think you have influence, there are people that look up to you. If, middle schoolers, high schoolers, these elementary kids—they think you're cool. They think you're awesome. They look up to you." And so every one of us can model to the next generation of what it means to abide in Christ. Uh, but we're going to get back to the, the uh, dictionary definition, so we can go one slide back. There we go. Awesome. So what is it propagate? What's this whole propagate idea? Um, you know, th- this is not something that's super common that uh, people talk about unless you are in a, uh, a, a husbandry of plants uh, role. Uh, but here's the main idea is that it, it, it's a, to breed a specimen of uh, a plant or animal by natural process from the parent stock. So you're, you're, you're taking the parent stock and you are transferring it. You are, you're, you're sharing that with, uh, uh, to create um, new life. And then the second one is kind of the, I, I, I love the, uh, the quote that they have there. So it's a spread to promote an idea widely. The French propagated the idea that the English were violent and gluttonous drunkards. <laughs> I mean, you, so you can propagate bad things, right? We can propagate good. We can propagate, propagate bad. We can tell people that the French are violent or the English are violent and, gl- and gluttonous drunkards. But the, the whole idea is, is, uh, to, um, to take from ourselves, to take from what we have, to cut off, because that's really what it is, is to cut off um, from our own branches, uh, just as Jesus was cut off for a time. And, and so, and we're going to get back to that towards the end of our message, but um, to, to, to cut off that time, to, to have that sacrifice, because for you to serve in some capacity you are doing it sacrificially. You're cutting off that time. To, to you give of your talents, you're doing it sacrificially in your modeling Christ. Now, um, what does it mean for us to propagate? Really, it's helping the next generation remain in Christ through servant leadership. And I want to encourage you guys with that this morning, that it, it, we, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a uh, PhD to be able to help somebody, to come, along some, uh, come alongside somebody, to love somebody, to show somebody the goodness and the grace of Christ. 
Uh, every one of us has a capacity for doing this. Um, and so we're going to go to the next slide. There's a video. I don't know if the audio is going to work, but I might have to sing it for you if, uh, um, if it doesn't work. But uh, we'll, let's go to the next slide. Okay. When you buy a little plant turn that up. and it's doing great, you break off a piece and you propagate, you make another plant. Ooh, yeah, a baby brother plant. Okay, so this is my introduction to Propagate. I'll tell you about a year ago, right now, I came upon this TikTok. And I was like, what is this? I love this song. It kind of sounds like Don't Worry, Be Happy. Anybody know? Yeah, uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Love that song. But uh, it, it had some soul. But it, it, I was like, I have no idea what Propagate is. I have no idea what it means to propagate. And so uh, I looked it up. And they describe it perfectly. When you buy a little plant and it's doing great, you break off a leaf and you propagate, you make another plant. You make a little brother plant. Um, and so I would encourage you guys to remember that if you ever wonder what propagate is. But, uh, and, and, and so I, I did a little, um, little more research into what propagate actually means. And to, uh, to, uh, so you can go to Home Depot, and I saw people, so I searched uh, Propagate on TikTok after I saw this, and I, I'll tell you I'm not on it, I, I actually deleted the app, but okay, but uh, um, I, I uh, <laughs> searched Propagate, and there's people that go into a Home Depot, and they break, or they, they find the little clippings, they find the little pieces that are left behind, and they stick them in their pockets, and I was like, that's cool, I'm going to do that. And so in my office right now, there's little clippings from Home Depot. And um, I, I found out there's a term for it. It's called prop lifting. So it's like shoplifting, but t- prop lifting. Um, and there's some places that are like signs, don't do it. But literally, these little leaves would have died on their own. These little leaves would have been discarded. They would have just become dirt. They would have returned back to the earth. But... I did kind of the saving work for these guys. And I put them in my office, and they're still growing to this day. And um, this, actually, the idea that this came from was we gave every one of our children's workers last year succulents. And that was, and, and, and that was what, what, what we encouraged them with, is we said, thank you for propagating the next generation. Thank you for breaking it off and, and, and taking those pieces and helping them to grow, creating an environment for them to, gr- to grow. And, you know, the question that, 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 that I come up with when, it, when I look at this is, what do I have to give? You give of your time, you give your attention, you share your personal faith with them to help them grow their own. And that's really what we can do as a church is to help propagate, is to help them grow help, and, and you don't have to be in any sort of position to do that, um, but to help the, the next generation grow. And uh, th- there's a, a, a passage that I, I think really connects with this idea, because uh, um, it answers the question, how? How does this all happen? How, you know, how, how does this happen behind the scenes? And Mark 4, verses 29, or 26 through 29 says this. He also said, this is Jesus speaking, 
This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Uh, Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the, uh, the sickle to it because the harvest has come. That's how it works. You know, I, I, I was thinking about this idea with our Awana program and with our Sunday morning programs and with, you know, we, we only get, we get this small little window that we get to share the love of Jesus with these kids. We get this small little window, but they're going to bed, they're going throughout their day, and God is working behind the scenes. And I think one of the cool things about, about being intentional with the ne- next generation is seeing how God is working behind the scenes, seeing how the vine dresser is making these things happen, seeing how God is working in the lives of students and changing and growing them to be more like himself. And uh, we get to be a part of that. And, it, you know, it, it, the, the how is not on us. The how is not on us. God is making it work behind the scenes. And God is at work even now um, in the lives of students. And I want to encourage you to think about how you might want to be a part of that. We give them our time. We give them our intention. We share our personal faith with them and to help them grow on their own. I want to encourage you, where does it start with us? Where, where, where does it start? It, uh, propagate starts with the heart. It starts with the heart. And I, I loved how Jim Cluth shared two weeks ago, he was talking about uh, uh, following after Jesus, and one of the things he said, he shared one of my favorite verses uh, from Genesis 6, where it says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intention of their hearts was only evil continually. So this is like pre-flood. That's where it fits in the story. This is pre-flood. The, <laughs> every intention of their hearts was only evil continually. Wow. That is like, okay, whew, imagine if, 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 if that was Berean Community Church. And the Lord's side of the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intention of those in Rochester was only evil continually. Whew, that would, that, I wonder what fires would be happening. I wonder what, you know, crazy stuff would happen. But it starts with the heart. It starts with heart transformation. How we propagate the next generation is we reach them with their heart. If we were speaking a different language, it would not help. I, I loved how, you know, uh, Jeff was talking about Cuba. He needs, you speak to somebody in their heart language. I think the same thing goes with us connecting with students. So I love what Caitlin has done, creating some intentional spaces, creating some intentional programs, some curriculum that meets them where they're at and speaks to their heart language. Because we know it, it, that, that's where sin originates. It starts in the heart and then it, it grows. But there's the reversal where that happens with the kingdom. And God redeems our hearts and then starts redeeming the rest of our lives. 
That's the amazing thing is how it starts. And so one thing that we have done with our students is these things called Tune My Heart Nights. And we do them semi-quarterly. Um, but uh, the whole idea behind Tune My Heart Nights is uh, I started them because I wanted to cultivate a culture with students of repentance, of how do we turn from our sin? How do we take a moment to say, I'm going this way, I need to turn and start going the other way? That's really what repentance is. It's a 180. Uh, where where it, it's, a no, it, it's a normal environment to know we need to get our hearts right before God and to have a moment for students to search their hearts in this respect. It's so important that, 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 that we don't graduate from the gospel, but we come back to repentance. And then we receive more forgiveness and we find more joy throughout it. And so our next Tune My Heart Night is October 5th. I want to encourage you, send your junior hire, send your senior hire. We'll have it here at the church, and it's going to be an amazing time where, where we do that. But, but it, it starts with the heart. And so we have to speak their heart language. We have to connect with their hearts to be able to help redeem their hearts. Um, you know, I did a little research on heart, and heart is used 681 times in the Old Testament. And it's interesting, I've been reading through Scripture, and I've been coming up of like God speaking to Israel about their hearts, God working in different places, and you know he's, he's talking about wanting their hearts. It's also 170 times used in the New Testament. And one of those, going back to the, the first Tune My Heart Night, and it actually wasn't, <laughs> there is no heart used there, but our first Tune My Heart Night, the message was from Revelation 2 where it says, return to your first love. Do your first works over again to the church of Ephesus. It's the same idea of getting your heart right before God. That's something that we want and, and, and we need as a church to help the next generation to get their hearts right before God. One of those places in the New Testament that really brings this home, and this is maybe a verse that some of you may have memorized, but Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, uh, says this, that, it, that if you confess with your mouth, mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you confess and be saved. That is the message of salvation. That is the act of propagating. That is planting a seed, making a plant where there was none before and now there is new life, is bringing that message to the next generation. That is how we propagate. I've seen this. You have helped to propagate and be rooted in the true vine. I want to encourage our church with this. I have seen our church do this. I have seen leaders reaching to the hearts of students. I've seen discussion group leaders having heart-level conversations that get right to the point. And I, I, I've also seen um, the, the, our, our, in our children's ministry how we have propagated students and help, helping them to be rooted to the true vine that is Jesus. And that brings us back to our text because I, I, I want to reiterate some of these things in, the, in terms of the idea of propagate. And Jesus, you know, I'm going to read it again, John 15, 3 through 5. Although you are clean because the word, uh, 
Uh, already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. This is really strong language that Jesus is laying out. He's making a command. This is a command. He's saying, abide in me. And we don't often use the word abide, but really the whole idea is cling to me. Let me be your foundation. Let me be your life force. Let me be the driving force of your life. And and he answers the question, why? As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Do you want to have a life that is effective? You want to have a life that, that counts for something. Not just counts for something and building something here on earth, but counts for eternity. Jesus is saying, a, a branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, and neither can you unless you abide in me. We need to cling to Christ. He needs to be our life force. We need to seek him alone. Seek him corporately. Seek him in our families. Seek him in every area of our lives. And then Jesus declares in verse 5 who he is. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah, you, you can do things. You can get things done. You can complete tasks. You can do projects. But things that are significant for eternity, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we must abide. We must cling to the true vine. He must be our life source because other things that we might replace as a life source constitute idolatry. We cannot put other things as our life source because they will not satisfy the way that God will satisfy. This is the seventh and final I am statement from the Gospel of John. And Jesus is not only claiming to be God, but he, he is showing us what it means to be in relationship with him. We need to invest in our relationship with God. We need to help the next generation to invest in their relationship with God. You know, throughout the Old Testament, there's a word picture of God's relationship with his people that's symbolized by the same agricultural idea of, of growth, of a vineyard. Like God and his beloved from the Song of Songs There's this vineyard that's being built between his people that's being cultivated and grown and, and, and it's, um, it's this love relationship. Grow in your love relationship with God. And Song of Songs 2.15 says, catch for us the foxes, the foxes that destroy our vineyards while they're in bloom. Which is talking about rooting out the things that keep me from my beloved. And so I would encourage you today, One way you can model that for the next generation is by rooting out the things that keep you from your beloved. There are things that get in the way. We talked a little bit ago about idolatry, the things that we put in the place of God. But we must catch for us the foxes. We must destroy those things, root out those things. Yeah, our fox is cute. 
You bet. Are foxes cuddly? Oh, you know it. I love foxes. It's one of my favorite animals. It's like, oh, there's a fox. It's so sweet. But no, that fox is there to destroy the vineyard. I can't help but think of John 10.10 when I think of the foxes from this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give life and give it abundantly. And the life that Christ brings throughout Scripture or throughout the Old Testament with his beloved Israel is symbolized by this vineyard. We see in Isaiah 5 how there's broken down, there's a broken down, the cisterns are broken, the the wine presses are broken, and this broken relationship, there's a lamenting song in Isaiah 5. And I'll encourage you guys to read it this week. But you see the brokenness that can be in that relationship. But God wants us to abide. He wants that vineyard to grow. And um, he wants us to be a part of his people that are clinging to the true vine and finding our life force from him and finding the things of this world unsatisfying in comparison. Another part of propagating is knowing God's promises. Now, one of the most common uh, passages when talking about parenting uh, and one of the most common passages when talking about the next generation and how do we get them to hang on to their faith, I like how Eric prayed for the 14 seniors that are going off to college. If you know the statistics, it's not good of those that have walked away from their faith. But I, th- I think of, uh, so the most, the, the most popular passage that people go to is Proverbs 22, 6. And it says this, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parents long to see a guaranteed return on all the efforts invested into a child's upbringing. Could it be that the book of Proverbs provides this guarantee? We would love for this to be a promise, right? It's important to note that Proverbs 22.6 is one of the most debated expressions uh, in the book. For one, the verb train up is better translated as dedicate. And the word uh, translated child most likely refers to a youth rather than an infant. But the most debated aspect of the expression in the phrase uh, is in the phrase, in the way he should go, which translates literally to according to his way. Since one's own way in Proverbs so often refers to foolish intuition, some commentators conclude that the proverb does not convey optimism, but a sad realism. Dedicate a youth according to his natural bend, which is always foolish, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. In other words, give a child what he wants, and he will become a hardened fool beyond repair. (laughs) But is the way from Proverbs 22.6 a negative one, the child's folly, or is is the way a positive one of wisdom? When the statement is read in the context of the entire book, it is best to take this way as the latter, as the way of wise, successful living. 
Proverbs emphasizes the significant influence that a father's instruction can have in the life of his child in the long term. And the overall purpose of the book operates on the reality of this influence. The instruction, reproof, correction, and discipleship do yield a positive result. This corresponds to the cause and effect logic that is all over the place in Proverbs. It's also important to note uh, uh, the focus of Proverbs 22, verse 6 is not necessarily on heart transformation, but on conditioned behavior. It is not a formula for ensuring the salvation of one's child, but it is a bedrock principle related to sowing and reaping with respects to his or her own behavior. Indeed, parents have an immeasurable influence over the long-term behavior practices of a child. No other source of influence comes close. The issue then becomes the nature of the promise. Does Proverbs 22.6 express general optimism or an ironclad guarantee? Once again, the context of the entire book must be considered. The reason why these uh, pithy sayings were collected into one book was to provide the necessary context for their interpretation. In other words, this proverb expresses truth about child-rearing, but not all the truth at once. Proverbs does not hesitate to add to the truth of, of, 20, of Proverbs 22, verse 6, other, uh, other insight about child-rearing and its outcomes. As much as Proverbs emphasizes the res- responsibility of parents, and the father in particular, it also recognizes each child as a morally reasonable individual. Consequently, there are factors which parents must realize are beyond their control. You know, there's a quote that I think is very relevant to this idea, and it comes from a book um, called Successful Christian Parenting by John MacArthur. And this is what he has to say in this respect. He says, If we measure our success as parents solely by what our children become, there is no inviolable guarantee in Scripture that we will experience absolute success on those terms. The true measure of success to Christian parents is the parent's own character. To the degree that we have uh, followed God's design for parenting, we have succeeded as parents before God. I want to encourage the parents in the room today that your success in parenting does not rest on the outcome of your children. Know that today. And the best thing that we can do is to be an example, to show the love of Christ, to follow him in our lives and have that example uh, be transferred to the next generation. And that brings us back to what it means to propagate, to give of our time to show that in a real relevant way. I want to share an example um, as we look to close, 
I'll have some application here at the end, but I want to share an example as my last point about what it means to propagate, to cut off, and to let grow. In Romans 9, Paul is, is sharing his heart for his brothers. He's got a heart for those that have never heard the gospel. And Paul says, I have great sorrow in unceasing anguish. You think Paul's having a tough time? Yeah. He says, I have great sorrow in unceasing anguish that I wish for myself to be cut off. Wait a minute, that's like a propagate term. Yeah, I know, right? I I wish I myself would be cut off for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Now, I read that and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just read all of Romans 1 through 9 at that point. And Paul's understanding of salvation and that he is, uh, actually it comes later when he talks about being grafted into the tree of Christ, but his, his understanding of, of union with God and that we've been justified by faith and Paul's amazing understanding of all of these things that, that come about salvation. And he says, I am willing to set that aside so that my brother might hear the good news, the gospel of Christ. That is living and loving sacrificially. That he would want to be cut off. That he would want for himself to be taken instead. God, let me take their place so that they might even hear the good news of the gospel. And as I question Paul, I'm like, dude, do you really, do you really want that? I... I am compelled to think of Christ and to think about that as his same heart where Jesus says, take me instead so that they might live. Take me instead so that they might know the good news of Christ. And that's the beauty of the idea of propagate is like, I'm going to cut this off. I'm not going to worry. I am giving my life towards this. Take me instead so that they might hear, so they might know. And that's the loving sacrifice that we see in Christ. That Jesus, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but gave himself freely, so that he might die on the cross for our sins. And that we might model that same thing of wishing that we might be cut off for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to encourage you with the last slide um, that what can I do? What are some ways that I can jump in? we got bubbles and Bibles coming this Friday. It doesn't take an amazing effort to blow a bubble. My, my, my son is 18 months, and he can do it really well. Well, he can blow a couple bubbles. But bubbles and Bibles... You know, something with our our refresh with our children's ministry is that we're going to have a gospel guarantee. Whenever we do an event, there's going to be the gospel there. We can guarantee that it's going to be a part of that. So if you're not going to Whitewater, I want to encourage you guys to come and serve and to help with that. But um, another thing that I wanted to share from this is uh, join me in praying at 9.38 each day. What? Why would you pray at 9.38? Okay, let's go back to the last slide. 
Uh, sorry, Marty. Okay, so Matthew nine thirty five through 38 is praying that God will send workers into the harvest. Matthew um, 9, 35 through 38 says this, And Jesus went through all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them because they were hardened and help, or, uh, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly, Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into the harvest. I want to encourage you guys to set a reminder on your phone. For 938, because I've done it, join me, go to the last slide, join me in praying at 938 each night that God would send out more um, workers into the harvest, that people would find it more valuable to serve and to um, give their lives towards sharing the good news of Christ. Serve in a children's ministry event. We have some coming up for the fall. Uh, anybody hear about Nailed It when we did it last year? Nailed It was a blast. Uh, we're going to do it again in the fall. We're going to do Christmas edition. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good time. But uh, it was great seeing impaled sheep. We made cake pops, and they're just like, you know, they ended up being impaled sheep. Um, serve in a children's ministry event. I would say that's the easiest way to get in. You can do one thing. You can, you can hold the door. You can help in, in some capacity. Encourage a director or a coordinator. You know, I, I, we, we have some, some new faces, um, and I want to encourage you. Encourage, reach out and encourage Jason Kemper. Reach out and encourage Caitlin Johnson. Uh, reach out and encourage Michael Clapp. Reach out and encourage Reagan Heckman. And reach out and encourage Kelly Snell. They're some of our new coordinators and some of our new directors. Reach out and say a word of, hey, thank you for propagating the next generation. Thank you for what you do. And uh, I would say the biggest encouragement would be, how can I help? You know, asking that. But uh, another way you can do it in a real tangible way is, and I, I, there's, there's families in this room that I know that do this, but watch them as they do it and do it yourself. Be, befriend a family and invest in their kids. You know, I, I know some people that were new to the Rochester area, and the reason they stayed was because a Berean family loved them and made them a part of the family. There's even people that are working in Christian ministry right now in Rochester. They had no connection other than their job. And there were Berean families that welcomed them in and invested in them, gave them resources, gave them love, cared for them, showed them the love of Jesus. I want to encourage you guys to do the same. Will you pray with me? Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for going before us and knowing our future. Lord, we pray for the next generation, Lord, that you would use us as your instruments of peace, that we might help them to grow, help them to know you as their Savior, and Lord, that your kingdom would come here at Berean, and that your kingdom would come in Rochester, and it would be felt, and it would be known, and it would be growing. Lord, we praise you for your truth that doesn't change. 
and how you're working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.